Welcome to Cloudlandia. Mr. Sullivan. Mm, Mr. Jackson. Welcome to Cloudlandia. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I've always been well treated on my previous visits. I feel that this will be no exception. Well, I just realized yeah. something this morning. Am I, is this, now that live workshops are back, am I missing <clears throat> out on the first Sunday night supper club? No, because you come in April. You're, you're in okay. April. You're April. Okay. I think it's <clears throat> April 11th, April 10th, something like that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> not quite sure. But I had a weird ex thing happen to me yesterday because when we fly to, from Toronto to, sh to Chicago, I gain an hour. I gain an yeah. hour? And then overnight they took it away from they me. Took away. They took it away. Daylight savings, exactly. Yeah. And um feeling just a, just a bit jammed. Discombobulated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, jammed. Yeah, I mean, uh -huh. come on, make up your mind. Make up your right. mind. Yeah, which is it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I have. You know, I'm interested. I I have to go back and find out um, why and when this time change thing happened. Do you know? Well, I think it was to maximize harvesting. You know, like farm work stuff, so that yeah. they could. Yeah, I think that was what it was to lengthen the daylight hours in the summer so that you could work longer on the farm. That's my understanding of what it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you know any, do you know uh, a lot of people who are doing that in 2022? Yeah, exactly. I think it's, and that's why there's an up, you know, there's a lot of like, there's a talk of Florida abandoning daylight savings and Arizona has already opted out. I think there's mm -hmm. lots of states and <laughs> things that are opting out of it or you're staying on one opting out of daylight savings but florida was proposing to switch to not to opt out of daylight savings but to remain on daylight savings which mm -hmm. would be so it would be weird to have all these states have individual choices you know you got to remember all the rules of what time because i find that awkward about Arizona, half the year, mm -hmm. two hours, you know, apart, and now it's three hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would also probably uh, wreak havoc uh, <clears throat> when it first happens with the airline schedules. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So we need yeah. uh, so we go like China. You know, you know what it reminds me China of? China does you know, it one time uh, zone. Yeah, it reminds me, well, China's one time zone in China, yeah. you know, is a huge place. But you know what it reminds me of, this thing of a weird time system from the past? It's, there's a sofa, which you had for years, and then you say, you know, let's get a new sofa. So you get the new sofa, but you take the old sofa and you put it out on the back porch and you say, you know, we'll just put it there and then we'll take it and it's been 10 years since you did that and the old mm -hmm. sofa is still on the back porch yeah but, but it's attracted every dog and right. cat in the neighborhood you know and, and every time and it's one of those things that every time you walk past the old sofa you said you know we should really get rid of that you know and you've mm -hmm. reminded yourself to do that a hundred times but you haven't done it probably daylight savings time has a lot like that you know we should really change that but it's it's like the old sofa
Yeah, it's time to rethink. Well, what news do you have from Cloudlandia? Because I know you're a passionate scout and explorer and map maker of Cloudlandia. I'll tell you what, Dan, so two things this week. I heard an interview with Mr. Beast on Joe Rogan this week. Oh, wow, that must have been fun. It was very well done. Very well done. Lots of news to report on that. Did did Joe Rogan take a knee with his eleven million? Eleven million. Yeah, exactly. His eleven. I mean, did he realize he was in the presence of a deity? Yes, you could tell. Like I, this was an eye-opening interview, and I have the highest regard already for Mr. Beast. But this was. This was eye-opening. I mean, it was there's there's ten deeper levels than what we even imagine to what's going wow. on with him, and, and I've listened to it twice already. And and just uh, I mean, I'll share some of the points here that came um, through it. But the other thing that came into my radar was they a gentleman Tony Seba, who's written a book called Rethinking Humanity. And it's he's written this historical global history of our adoption of changing times. You know, like it seems like there's a lot of. I also watched Ray Dalio's uh, New World Order presentation uh, this week too, but I only saw about half of it so far. So uh, mm-hmm. don't spoil it. <laughs> the uh, but there, it, it, we're definitely in this shift. You know, we're definitely 2020s for certain is is a shift, and I think we've really called it with this shift to Cloudlandia is really a good, uh, you know, placeholder to to put over this because mm-hmm. that's what we're doing. And you look at, you know, Mr. Beast is running the VCR formula at the highest level is really what he's doing with a real understanding that the multiplier of all of it is reach. And so he Mm -hmm. focuses on the two things, the two biggest things, vision and, and reach. And he, he did at the 34 minute mark in the interview, he goes on an explanation of essentially the value, the, the value of ideas over execution and Mm -hmm. the multiplier importance of them. He said, there's no there. It's certain that the person getting, you know, 1 million views on their videos is, or 3 million views on their videos is not working three times as hard as the person getting a million views. But he said it's even more certain that the person getting 30 million views is 100% not working 30 times harder. It's one, It's all about the idea of this. Mm-hmm. And so he goes through this process where he, he said he's spent now 10 years obsessing over ideas and one you know, with one focus on breaking the YouTube algorithm to get, you know, 
millions of people to watch his videos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and those, it's all, it's been ideas. He's not technical in any way at all. He just is able to articulate his vision and he hires people. He's got a hundred people now that work mm-hmm. uh, with them, that he's got infinite capabilities to, and it's interesting. He said, it's hard to find the points they realize you can't, most of the stuff they're doing is new and, you know, new ideas. So you can't find somebody who already knows how to do the stuff mm-hmm. if you're making up new stuff. So you got to mm-hmm. find people that are, that have the technical skills, but also have this curiosity and ability to mm-hmm. innovate, to figure stuff mm-hmm. out, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, very interesting. The thought, the level of thought that goes in to those, mm-hmm. but he gives the updates on some, the numbers. So Mr. Beast Burger now is at 1600 locations, opening 50 a week and over a hundred million in revenue. So wow. far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Can you give any idea what the split is that he does? Does he give any indication of why it's fair, yeah. fair, you know, it's not win-win, but it's fair, fair. Yeah, does he well, it's actually give, uh, pretty, it's really good because the model behind it. Do they buy is, a subscription? Uh, do they kind of buy no, a subscription? here's how it works. Here's how it works. So you are an existing restaurant and you have all of the equipment necessary to prepare the Mr. Beast menu. And so they'll send you the Mr. Beast kit of how to, for free, no, no charge. You get the stuff, your, um, you know, you have to send videos and uh, stuff of how to prepare the menu. And then your quality control is preparing the menu and videoing and showing it, you know, in detail in the packaging that is, they have the Mr. Beast packaging. So there's, I think, like 26 SKUs that you have to stock from suppliers that you already get food from because there's only a, a minimum number of major commercial food suppliers. And so you go through and you prepare the menu and you get approved and they give you a tablet that mm-hmm. is you know, equipped when the order comes in. You just prepare the food and package it up and somebody comes and picks it up at the back door. And that's it. <laughs> and for that, you get roughly, I want to say that you get 35% or 40% or something of cost. And so your, their goal, you know, is that you should be making a 30% profit margin on what you're, uh, on what you're uh, doing mm-hmm. with them in only using, in, in using your excess capacity. And that's mm-hmm. what was, that's the, that was what was beautiful about it is that 
the intention of it, Robert Earle is the guy from virtual dining concepts that came up with the idea in the first place, the mm-hmm. model. And mm-hmm. it was an evolution from ghost kitchens, you know, like mm-hmm. first people were separately removing themselves from the main thing, but then they realized, okay, well, there's all these restaurants have, they're only at 50% at the most right now mm-hmm. because of COVID. So if they could do stuff, you know, another, have another opportunity that would be a welcome thing. And it was, you know, able to really bridge the gap and create a really viable, really viable, mm-hmm. but you should see yeah. the, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll go to the Joe Rogan. Uh, oh yeah. I'll watch sure. the Joe Rogan. Yeah. You know, it's very interesting with Joe Rogan because about a mile from us, maybe two miles, I think it's more closer to two miles from us. In the Toronto office, there's a new network, social social media network okay. called Rumble. Okay. Have you seen Rumble? I've heard about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're, they're really interesting because they, they're the, if the other social media platforms, you know, censor you or blacklist you, Rumble will take you. Rumble. Are they in in Toronto Village? No, they're on Adelaide. They're on Adelaide West, I would say, between Spadina and Bathurst. Okay. Yeah. And uh, for example, Trump did, there's a group of four guys who do podcasts. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, they did it at Mar-a-Lago. They were in Palm Beach. And uh, he was real straightforward because he was talking about the, you know, he was talking about the Ukraine Russia war, you know, and why, why the Russians felt no problem in doing it with the existing White House, but they wouldn't do it when he was in the White House, you know, and he got, they got 5 million downloads before YouTube took it down, you know, and YouTube took it down. So they and he, at the right at the end of the right at the end of it, Trump said he said, "You guys, you realize this isn't going to be up long. They're going mm-hmm. to take the they're going to take this down," and they did. And then it went to Rumble, and mm-hmm. it's up on Rumble, and it hasn't been taken down on nice. Rumble, which tells me that the take downers of the world don't have an ability yet to uh, fool around with this particular platform. Uh And, uh, of course, Trump has launched his own, you know, Truth Social. Yeah. Uh, He he launched that. So my sense is that that's going to happen. There's going to be competitors, you know, competitor platforms. And it's a really interesting thing. So, but, uh, but Joe Rogan, when they, he was going through his singer who I never knew existed, Neil Young. Uh, when he went through through his you know kerfuffle with yeah uh, well well Joe Rogan didn't pay any attention to Neil Young it was all Neil Young yeah. being yeah, being ornery and cranky yeah and saying to Spotify it's him or me and uh, Spotify Spotify yeah. Spotify they uh, took 
scratched their eyes and said, I, well, I think it's going to be Joe, you know, and, uh, and uh, without a, anyway, but the greatest thing about it is without a hint of irony of being the guy who broke through saying, keep on rocking in the free world. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it used to be so anti-establishment. Oh yeah. I mean, there is a historic lesson in that, that today's rebels are tomorrow's angry nannies, you know? They're, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but the thing was that Rumble said, we'll pay you a hundred million to Joe Rogan. If you, if Spotify doesn't want you, we'll pay you a hundred million to mm. be on our thing. So they, they must have some really big money mm-hmm. uh, that, or they're just audacious buffers. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but it's interesting. The, you know, the, the I mean, Humans are humans, and humans in one age will use the tools and weapons they they have in that age. But in another age, they'll it, it looks like they're doing something different. But they're actually doing, you know, they're actually motivated by the same uh, mindsets, and they have the same sort of aspirations and goals. Such as that, there's different tools and different weapons available to them to use it. So it looks like it's radically different. To give you an idea, because I can think immediately that he's actually picking up on the Sears and Roebuck model from a hundred and you know hundred and forty years ago. Do you know the story of Sears? A little bit. I mean, so tell me because I, I think you're going to talk about well, two two the two things that yeah. two things had gotten really big, and the you know from around the 1850s to the 1880s, one of them was railroads, you know, the one was telegraph. Okay, so you had two technologies. Yeah. And Sears was a railroad clerk. He he actually managed a, a railroad office where packages, these are the freight packages. So he was in charge of it. And he got a box and tried to deliver it in the town where he was. And yeah. there was no address. There was no address. There was no such address. So he got back the office telegraphed the manufacturer and said, there's no, you know, there's no, you know, there's no address and it's going to cost you this much for me to send it back. And the manufacturer said, yeah, it's not worth it to us. He said, we'll cut your deal. If you, if you buy them from us, we'll give you a, you know, we'll give you a really good deal and you can, you know, get rid of them. And Sears was enough of an entrepreneur to say, yes, I'll do that. And he did. And he sold it. But in the act of getting things really cheap and actually selling them, he said, oh, my God. And he immediately he had a Mr. Beast vision. Mm. So what he did was that he bought watches, small boxes of watches and he sent them out to about 150 other railroad clerks under a fictitious name <laughs> by mistake. And they, they all came back and they did the same thing that he had done. And he said, well, you know, here's the thing, you, you know, you, you know, why don't you do it? And he just added up the figures, you know, what he was doing here. And he says, we could do this with anything we could. So, uh, his n- entire network was created out of existing 
railroad freight managers. That's basically what they were. They were railroad freight managers. And so the railroad freight managers are the existing restaurants in Mr. Beast's network. Yeah. And so he's doing that. Yeah. And that's how Sears and Roebuck became the you know, the greatest retailer in the world up until Walmart. And then the next step up was Amazon, you know. And But what they're doing is that the world has already built their system before they were aware of the system. Um, say that again, the world had already built? Yeah, the world had already built the system before they took advantage of the system. Like oh, right. those 1,600 restaurants. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... The vast majority of them were probably created before he was born, you know, yeah. and sitting out there. But they've been underutilized, you know. What, yeah. You know, if I go Extra back to... capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if I go back to Jean-Baptiste Say, you know, the mm-hmm. first definer Law. of... Uh, mm-hmm entrepreneurs, that an entrepreneur is someone who takes a resource from a lower level of productivity to a higher level of productivity. Mm-hmm. That's what Sears did, and that's what yep. Mr. Beast is doing. That's what Joe yeah. Rogan's doing. That's what Joe Rogan's doing. I love that. Yeah, I love everything about that. And that's, you know, you essentially, you look backwards now at what these things are doing. That's what Uber has done. That's what Airbnb has done, this whole mm-hmm. sharing economy, mm-hmm. that when you realize mm-hmm. that all this excess capacity, that all these cars and humans with those cars driving around with mm-hmm. excess time can mm-hmm. make, you know, lots of opportunities now to just tap into the money stream with your own hours whenever you want taking people from one place to another, or while you're doing that, dropping food from one place to another, yeah. dropping but, groceries, doing all that. But stuff. I, but here's the thing, you know, a lot of people will see Mr. Beast and watch what he's done and they'll say, well, this is easy. We can do it. And then, mm. but Mr. Beast already had a huge following that he had created before he got this idea. Yes. Well, the vision, that's why. I mean, he was up, he was up mm-hmm. to 50. I mean, when you first introduced him to me, I think he was at 50 million already. And that was before the hamburger idea. Yeah. Or the burger. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But you look at that now and it's, you know, you do realize that's where, that's why the reach is a multiplier. Mm-hmm. That's the reach is the multiplying thing. And that's, it's the most important. You know, I don't know if that's the most important because they're all important. If you've got, and lots of people have excess capacity in reach. A lot of people have yep. reach that they don't even realize that they have access to or, or have a plan for, for doing it, you know, and that's, well, can I give you away. a little exa- little exa- a surprise example of my own? Okay. little tiny, compared to what you were talking, this is just a little tiny one. Yeah. But we got, we got a note from Reed Tracy, the um, publisher of mm-hmm. uh, Hay House, and the 
So the two books and the books are doing really well. We're we're selling the two of them together. The average is about thirteen thousand books a month. So it's that's awesome. Sell, yes. Selling selling really great. Again, hats off to you because without who not how I would not have I I wouldn't be doing this. But he told us that so the book came out middle of October 2021. This is the gap in the gain book. And he told us that uh, Penguin Random House, which is a huge multinational publisher, you know, hundred, you know, long, long well established publisher. Yeah. But they pick up other people's ebooks and send them out through their network because there's no cost. At a, there's really no cost of acquiring an ebook. Right. Okay. And so they picked up the gap in the gain at the end of October last year. And, you know, and then they were putting out their figures for their ebook sales for 2021. They discovered that in just two months, it went to number one. It was number one out of the 1,000 ebooks that they had picked up that year. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing. Man, it's one thing. Good, it's, it? it's one thing to identify, you know, and take advantage of uh, a reach system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's another thing is where the reach system just picked up your thing and reached you, <laughs> and you didn't yeah, even know about it. I mean, we didn't. There's this was, thing. Yeah, and I yeah, think, and uh, I think the thing is, but it goes back to the idea. It goes back to the idea. They don't do that mm-hmm. with everything. You have to no. have an idea. You have to have an idea to start with. Yes. I, it's the catalyst. Yeah. The idea is the catalyst. Yeah. And it's such a good, you know, it, it's like, yeah, the, the idea on its own, that, that's the thing. An idea is a very, it requires, and, and let's just think this through because I'm, I'm thinking I'm, thinking something new here that the idea on its own does not have the same capacity, I guess, as the reach on its own in a way Mm -hmm. like the, yeah, it requires the reach or it benefits from the reach. And it's a useful, a useful, exposure for the reach to do like to maximize the reach. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, uh, uh, something that, you know, I think about and I think about and I think about from the, you know, the second that you told me it <clears throat> and I'm crediting it to you. So I don't know if it was something that you had heard and passed on to me or it was your idea. But that a compelling offer is ten times more persuasive than a convincing argument. I, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Oh, ah, ah, good. Yeah, because I've been telling everybody it's you. So I, yeah. I just wanted to make sure that was true. So yeah. here's the thing: convincing arguments don't go anywhere in the VCR system, but compelling offers do. Yes, that's exactly right. But the multiplier you're talking about is that a compelling offer is a million times more persuasive than a convincing argument. <laughs> that's, that's probably true. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Depending on the reach, uh, you know, the reach platform that you're using. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. what I, my, you know, the thing about compelling is that it's the compelling is when you get the benefit of the jet stream of human intention, you know, that it's, it jives with what they really want. When somebody is compelled to get something, this comes back to the more cheese, less whiskers. Yeah. It comes back to that you don't have to convince a mouse to try the cheese, right? The mouse is compelled to get the cheese. Yes. So much so it's the prime directive of the mouse. And if you can attach your offer to a compulsion, mm -hmm. that's a rocket fuel. That's really, that's what but, that is. Yeah. But the thing is, if the person offering the compelling officer offer has whiskers, then um, yes. that's, it doesn't that's work so the well. Art that's the art of it for sure. Yeah. yeah it's being able to, and that really, the only way to do that is to really have the true intention of the serving. Best. Yes. Serving. Yeah. yeah creating it's, value. Exactly. Creating value. Yeah. 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 You know, it's really interesting. One of the, the book, one of my quarterly books is not the last one, but the one before that is called American Happiness. Mm -hmm. And in it, I say, and this is just an observation from a life where I've lived two thirds of my lifetime outside outside of the U.S. Okay, mm -hmm. so I'm in my 51st year of living in Toronto, and then with military duty, and you know, <clears throat> and then I just added up major vacations and everything in actual. You know, actual calendar time, it adds up. You know, I'll be 78 and I've spent two thirds of the, two thirds, easily two thirds of that time, mm -hmm. not within the borders of the U.S., but I'm a very, uh, you know, I'm a very committed American in spirit. And, and since the main impact of strategic coach and the main tax that's generated by strategic coach happens within the United States. It's, you know, I feel okay about that. I feel yeah. okay about that. Yeah. But one of the things that I said that uh, uh, the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is absolutely the best, and I don't think can be surpassed, compelling offer that any country has ever made to the rest of the world. Yeah. It's a pretty good deal. Yeah. And I had I had a really interesting podcast with and I said, oh, going back to that, just in the very first chapter of our book, I said, you know, the, the U.S. is very interesting because what the founders did right back in the 17, 1780s, they they made a bet on the country, on the future of the country that they would bet on individual Americans betting on their future. So it was a bet on a bet. It was a double bet. They bet the mm. country, individuals, you know, through their own individualism and ingenuity, that they would create the country. And we, we'll just create a structure where just, you know, a million people and then 10 million, 100 million people will bet their 
that their future. You know, yeah, so. that's true. I think you're, I think that's however fragile or limiting self-interest is, it's the one, you've said that before, it's the one bottomless that you can supply. count on. The one we can <laughs> count on is people asking <laughs> their self-interest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Madison, who I think is the real, you know, he's the real, arch, you know, he's the real programmer here. If you look back at the history, you know, he's a little guy. He was about, you know, five foot two and he weighed, you know, he weighed just over a hundred yeah. pounds. And, but he was the master of constitutions. He had when he, you know, in his state, he had the most collected constitutions in the history of the world. Oh, wow. And then he and Hamilton and Jay, these were three prominent yeah. people, John Jay, they put together a series of essays that were published in the, in the federal all the Federalist Papers, yeah. And the one th- the and Hamil I mean Hamilton was he wrote really a brilliant Yeah, he did, but the one that is the most important one was the it's called number ten. It's uh, Federalist Paper number ten, and that's Madison's. And among other things that he says in there, he says, you know, if if men were angels, we wouldn't need government. Right. Uh, okay. Well, that was where and, that was what the interesting thing that uh, I, I was credit. Uh, I was now I know where that's coming from. But Milton Friedman one time said to Phil Donahue as a guest. I remember. On the show, I, I've, I've seen. I've seen that. Uh, and seen he that said about. to Phil, he said, "Where do you propose that we find these angels?" to come organize society without regard to self-interest. And he said to Phil, I don't even trust you to do that, Phil. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, and there's this whole thing that we can't depend on virtue. So so let's find a really great way of depending on vice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that is interesting. Because you can count on that. I mean, you can count on that. And then, yeah. you know, and, you know, people will self-regulate and, yes. you know, they, and they want it. The other thing is people want to be well thought of, generally yes. speaking. They want to be, thought, for the people that really matter to them, they want those people to think well of them. Oh, so, they would never paint their self-preservation as vice. No. Nobody would ever do that, right? No, no. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I was talking just it was a brief conversation because I, I, don't, I really don't want to get into that, but it was about the Russian-Ukrainian thing, and it was at lunchtime in one of the workshops, and somebody said, you know, he's almost evil, and I said, I, I said, I don't get, I think he's complicated, Putin. I'm talking about yeah. Putin here. Yeah, and I said, first of all, I think he actually is a total Russian patriot. I think, yeah, the worst thing that ever happened. Well, kind of a Soviet patriot, you know, because he thinks that the collapse of the Soviet Union was just the worst thing that ever happened to the world. And, right. You know, he had a position in it. He had, you know, he, he had, you know, he was a colonel in the KGB, and he, you know, he thought it was pretty good. Anyway, and I said. I would find him more credible as a present-day Russian patriot if he wasn't the richest man in the world. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg thinks he has a lot. He mm. really doesn't. 
he he really doesn't compare to Vladimir Putin. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because Zuckerberg has tried to earn it honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is never uh, saw, Putin never saw the need for the honest part, you know. So right, you know, he, he, he's taker. So the the thing is that uh, what I'm saying here is that everybody's a mixture of a lot of different things, you know. And mm-hmm. depending on whether you like them or you don't like them, you pick out the the thing that that argues for your case. Yeah, and, there was uh, a great, there was a, a movie, a documentary that was really uh, um, primarily an extended form interview, like several hours of Oliver Stone doing an interview with Putin. And <clears throat> it was really well done. I mean, it was really, yeah. I think it was a good insight into him. And I agree with what you're saying that I believe that he would think of himself as a Russian patriot. You're right. Or yep. a Soviet patriot. Yep. But, mm-hmm. yep. And he realized yep. that. Yeah. I think that's where yeah. I got that. He's the one that talked about the presidents because he's seen all the new presidents come in. And what he said to Oliver Stone was, they all come in and I believe they're good men and they have good you know, desire for change and they rally people on the, the basis of that change. And then they get elected and they come in and they sit in the office and the, the men in the suits come and tell mm-hmm. them how it really is. And there is no change. Mm-hmm. That's really the way that's the historical pattern that he's seen. That yeah, is including and, himself. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that's something, though, for as an insight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, my my take on it that things change because of the, you know, the you know the motivations and the personal interests of in the United States of three hundred thirty bill uh, three hundred thirty million people or three forty whatever the number is three forty and that com- combined uh, mixing, unpredictable mixing of individual aspirations and capabilities produces constant surprises and changes. Right. Yeah. And, and generally speaking, the president who can explain those the best actually gets credit for it. And the one who constantly gets taken by surprise by it uh, is seen as weak and incompetent. Mm. You know, I think it's an explaining kind of skill. Can you explain mm. this in such a way that mm. that people say, I feel better. I feel better. That, that kind of tells me what's going on. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I am I'm excited about our get together in Palm Beach. Yeah. It's going to be a fun uh, thing. I was just doing some of the, you know, updates on things that have uh, happened with the VCR formula since we first introduced the concept. Yeah, it's really good. We've got a client who's going to speak in the afternoon, and he's got a (laughs) test. And it's, is your company future ready? So he's put a Mm. test together. 
And so we're going to send out the tests beforehand uh-huh. and uh, the results will be, you know, the results will be processed. And then he'll talk what he, and uh, his specialty is that he's created two award-winning films on the use of blockchain around the world. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's great. He lives in, and he lives in Mississauga. He lives. He's oh, from really? yeah, and he's from somewhere in the Middle East. I'm trying to think where he is in the Middle East. He's an immigrant to Canada, as so many of us are. And yeah, and I just found out about him, and I called him up, and I says, "Can you come and talk to our free zone group?" He says, "Oh boy, I'd be delighted oh, to." Yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's, and I think it's going to be you and him for the day because I've mm-hmm. got some new thinking exercises. Oh, there. Yeah. And I want to create some slack in the day so that we're not, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I like, yeah, I like having, I'll I tell you what I'm liking. We, I went back to in person, so I've done two. I did one last yeah. Tuesday and the Thursday before, so I've, I've done two of them. And they're different. They're very different from pre-lockdown. They're yeah. very different. Yeah. Oh, and I haven't put my finger yet on what the difference is. But one of the things is, I think I think they're different because we at Strategic Coach are different because we've acquired a an amazing global capability during the last. Yeah. I think it's cha- I think it's changing everything that. How we think about ourselves, you know, how we explain coach and everything. So I think that there's a difference. But right at the beginning, I told Kathy Davis, I said, I'm going to plan the in person as if they're going to be six hours. Okay. So, and the reason is because we have backup Zoom workshops for people who can't make it during the quarter. Uh, yeah. This quarter, especially because people are still kind of caught yeah. between two two right. worlds. Yeah, that's but what happened. Going into the future, we always have quarters where people can't make their workshop, and we've got yeah. a backup workshop, a Zoom workshop for for all those. Yeah. So I did it uh, six hours, and then I had two hours left over for just free form discussion and yeah. answering questions and. I tell you, Dean, it's just absolutely delicious. Yes. That's what I love about the format of the Breakthrough Blueprint like that. There's, it, we've got the big context, but it all takes on the form of what... What, what do people think about it? You, right, exactly. What's actually happening right yeah. now with that. Yeah. So it looks like I've successfully timed the trough of flattening the curve. Again, I've mm-hmm. got up doing a breakthrough blueprint two weeks here in, I guess not two weeks now. It's not this Monday, but next Monday. So mm-hmm. eight, eight day, a week from now. It should be great. Our friend Derek from introduction from strategic coach there. He's going to be Derek. down. Yeah. 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 He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. He's the, uh, yeah, he's the a great condo guy. He's the great yeah. condo guy. One, yeah. one of my, I have two or three who are the, Top condo people in Toronto. I mean, there's a lot of condos in Toronto, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't there be? Yeah, but he's, right. a, he's a really a great guy. Yeah, yeah. And Gary Clavin is going to be uh, down yeah. as well. It'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. That's really good. Yeah, 
You know, mm-hmm. it's very interesting. You talk about you talk about going back to our reached discussion. Yeah. And a compelling offer, sort of yeah. kind of adding those two tools. Mm-hmm. And Mike Koenigs and I have sort of similar background, small town Midwesterners. Mm-hmm. Religion-wise, we both grew up in you know Catholic and going through the Catholic school. And and I've I have you know a lot of people you know it's sort of a theme in the movies and everything else of how of when you're an adult you have sort of negative, bitter feelings towards, you know, Catholic Church and religion right. and everything else. And I have zero. I have zero. I thought it was fun. I thought it was like... You uh, enjoyed it. Yeah. It was like gr- growing up, you know, because of my entire teen and early 20s, it was gorgeous music. It was incense. It was stained glass windows. And it was all in a foreign language. And it was like... Spending your childhood, you know, living in Grand Opera. It was mm-hmm. like Grand o- Opera like that. I just thought it was really neat, you know, and everything yeah. like that. And fortunately, you know, I had uh, parents who, you know, kind of encouraged me and gave me a lot of freedom. And, uh, you know, and, and so and we're busy. One of the things I mo- appreciated most about my parents is that they were busy. So you could get away with a lot. Right. And you were the youngest. No, yeah. I was the youngest for a long time, and there's two younger. So, okay, but I was number five, and number five is born with an invisibility cloak. Right, exactly. Yeah, you weren't yeah. the center of attention. Yeah, you, you the first thing you learn is how not to cast a shadow. Right, right, right. You know, you know, and you know the. Uh, you, know, you kind of know the parts of the floor that squeak, so you know uh, you you don't walk on those. You know you're silent and you're quick. Yeah. But anyway, so I talked to Mike. We were just talking one day, and I said, you know, I think that the Christianity, not necessarily the Catholic Church, but I think I said I think Christianity actually created capitalism. Mm-hmm. He says what? He says what? I said yeah, I think they did it. I, I think. Uh, Christianity, right back at the beginning, right that back in the year one. I think I said, I think they created. And he says, I don't understand what you're doing. And he, I said, Well, look at it uh, back then, you know. And this is around the world. There were just a few really powerful people who had everything, and everybody else, you know, didn't count, didn't really count, and they didn't have anything. And it was profoundly unfair. I mean, it doesn't take much comparison between yourself and other people to understand that this really wasn't fair. Right. And they came across with a really great idea, Christianity, speaking about the impact of Christ and, you know, the apostles and especially St. Paul, who was kind of like the Ray Crack. He was like the Ray, he was like the Ray Crack of Christianity and, you know, Ray. Yeah, and so you could say that what happened, you know, with uh, Christ and the apostles was a bit like the McDonald brothers building a couple of restaurants in a backward, not very prosperous country. And and St. Paul comes along and says, you know, oh, this has got to go worldwide. So he said, this isn't just for Jews. This is for everybody. This is for Gentiles, you know. 
And the moment he did that, it started going throughout. And he, what he had on his hands is the biggest reach system in the history of the world to that point, and that was the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. And it swept through the Roman Empire because it had a compelling offer and said, no matter what happens in this world, it, you know, kind of accommodate yourself to it because when you get to the next world, everybody starts fresh. And the mansions, don't forget the mansions. Yeah. The many mansions. Yeah, the many mansions. So here's the thing. You see the emperor there? Mm. Yeah, he's got it good. He's got it good. But he's going to get judged the same way when he dies as anyone else. So he, he, he you know, look at him. I mean, he, his chances of really get, you know, of actually compiling a really good record aren't as good as yours. You can actually just be a good person and you can take advantage of it. Right. So I think what happened is that promise of a second start changed the world. Even in the, yeah, exactly. In the present, it changed it. Yeah, yeah. right. Instantly, mm-hmm. it changed it. And right from the beginning, when they had church services, the emperor could come, but everybody else was more or less equal to, you know, equal to the emperor. I mean, if, you know, if probably wasn't the emperor, but it was high aristocrats and wealthy people. They came and they were on the same ground. So my sense was that was an amazing idea. That idea that accepts the life that you, you have right now and work hard, but it also meant that you could choose how you wanted to spend your life over centuries. I'm not saying it mm-hmm. happened then, but by the time you get a thousand years into uh, you know Christianity, now you can start saying, is it okay if I just work hard and make mm-hmm. a lot of money during this, during this lifetime? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so my sense was it introduced freedom real freedom into your life that, first of all, well, lead the life that you're given because the way you lead this life and what you make of this life counts in the next life. And I think that's sort of a capitalist idea. Amazing. What do you think of that? I think I agree with that. That's, that's, I hadn't heard it like that before, but yeah. all, it, how do they say it all jives. But I told it to Mike, and Mike felt a lot better about his upbringing after I, mm. I told him that. Yeah. I said, you know, I know people in the next life. Mike, I'm going to put in a good word for you. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, man. I know people. And Dean, you, I, I put you in for the, for the Easy Pass VIP entrance. Okay, good. There we go. That'll go with me forever. You, yeah, have the, right. you have the gold pass. You have the gold I pass. I got the gold pass. That's right. I love it. Yeah, you get you got you got the gold test. But I think, you know, quite people you know, say, well, I mean, people who are, you know, really religious in that they said, you're being kind of sacrilegious. No, I said, no, just stepping back. I'm a visitor from another planet. Right. I'm watching what goes on. I'm just trying to describe what I think works and doesn't work yeah. in this, you know, in this situation. And I said, I think uh, and it goes back to just the sheer power of a single idea mm-hmm. if it is taken up in a system that can give it instant, enormous reach. Yes, I agree. That's what's exciting, is it? This is 
where these, you know, the worthwhile pursuit of your own reach audience is a very, it's the thing that can be done with capital. It's it's one of those things. And it's an asset that you're developing that is, doesn't require up, you know, it doesn't require, it's leverageable because whether you've got, you know, a hundred thousand or a hundred million, it's just a bigger number, but you're still doing one thing to deploy it, right? The content, mm-hmm. the thing that you're getting out to. Mm-hmm. So it's le- yeah. total leverageable. Doesn't require yeah. it doesn't require ten times more work to send yeah, no, a no. million emails versus a hundred thousand emails. Yeah. Right. I'm and we're really, all, you know, I mean, I mean, the whole, the whole thing is that uh, what I think when we do that VCR uh, inventory, you know, right at the beginning, which we'll re- repeat, you know, when you yeah. come to, you got to know what you have in order yeah. to do something more that, in order to be far, far, what you know, far, far bigger and better than where you are, you have to actually know what you have, where you are. And that you have to be able to know when you know it, you have to know it in a way that establishes your collaborative assets as well. Yes. That you've mm-hmm. got, that's what is the key to the free zone is knowing mm-hmm. you, you, most people are just blind to what their real assets are, or they haven't thought them through what they are or positioned them in a way to modularly contribute them to a free zone collaboration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I, I think I've told you about him, but there's this free zone, a new free zoner in July. He's from Pakistan, mm-hmm. uh, Shahid, and he's the biggest manufacturer and distributor of cookies and crackers. Okay. In the country of Pakistan. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So big multinational calls him and said, we'd like to, we'd actually like to purchase your company. And he says, oh, oh no, you don't want to, you don't want to purchase my assets. You just like to take advantage of my capability. Hmm. So he says, he said, why don't we just have a chat about what you have and what I have and we'll put together a collaboration and we'll just send you money. Right. In other words, you give us I love that. what you have. Yeah. He said, I suspect you double what I can offer throughout my network just by looking at what you have that I don't have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we're, it's all electronically controlled. So, yeah. you know, you'll be able to come for it. So what could have taken a year and a half with a lot of lawyers and travel and expense and frustration, and then he'd be an employee. He stayed an entrepreneur, and within three months, they were shipping product. And so when he told me uh, about it, okay, and I I knew about it before it actually was a done deal. So he had joined Coach virtually, done signature for four workshops one year, and bumped up the first time he could. So this was his fifth workshop. And and I I said, well, you have an amazing capability that there's no way that they can produce it. Uh, yeah. And he says, 
And he said, well, it's cookies and crackers. Oh, no, that's not your capability. And he said, well, what's my capability? And I said, Pakistan. Mm. Access to Pakistan. Well, knowledge of Pakistan, yeah, relationships right, exactly. in Pakistan, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, street addresses in Pakistan. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. And I said, they don't have any of that, nor could they produce it. That's what they really want. They want a, they want a new, they want a new capability called Pakistan. So anyway, mm, is, um, mm. it happens, and he's now he's working on two others where they're food related. You know, they're what he does, and he's seeing what they could be. And and I said, did that guy ever come to Pakistan? He said, yeah. He said after we've been up and running for with collaboration for three months. He said, yep, yep, he came. And I said, so, and he said he was really impressed. And I said, why? He says, well, I introduced him to a friend of mine. We had dinner together. And I said, who is the friend? He says, president of Pakistan. Ah, he was impressed. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, no, no, but it kind of shows you. I mean, it's uh, yeah. what can be, I mean, from the standpoint of reach, you know, but but I mean, it can take all sorts of different forms. Everybody thinks about it like it's the internet. Well, it could yeah. be anything. It could be anything for, right, right. you know, it's it could funny. be. We were, yeah. you know, it's funny now if you look about, you know, we had between, you know, Genius Network, we had Stephen Harper at Genius yeah. Network. We've got the president of Pakistan, at the, yeah. you know, in free zone. It's so, uh, yeah, as a connection, the world well, smaller, you know. Yeah, and we, we live in that kind of world now. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the interesting thing is, and yeah. I go back, I tell everybody, I said, Zoom is not a communication system, it's a transportation system. I said, if you think it's just, a, you will not, you will not, access more than one-tenth of the value of Zoom right. if you think it's, it's a transportation right. system. And, yeah. And, yeah. That's it. So what have you thought further about in the course of discussion? Well, I'm really, you know, I'm doubling down on this idea of ideas, you know. What I, I really need to formalize the, um, you know, the value of these ideas is really the output of them mm -hmm. for me in a way, you know, like I have been, I've got a long history of, of having big catalytic ideas for other people mm -hmm. that are more capitalized than my own ideas for me. Mm -hmm. which is an interesting place to be in. So I'm looking at, I'm just kind of looking at the, you know, the combination of packaging the ideas mm -hmm. with the capabilities and mm -hmm. the reach, seeing, being a, you know, a, a producer or being a, what, whether that's the model. I'm, I'm exploring models on that. Of how do you, do things like that because in the beginning the ideas are deceptive in that you recognize it as a good idea but it doesn't immediately feel like it has the economic value that it has until coupled with a uh, capability and a reach
Yeah. You know, I'd love to have your take. Uh, on I'm going to. Your, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. As I said, I'd love to have your take on your lens through my situation kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'd love to, because yeah. you are someone who has reverence for and and extraction of value from ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, this is the last real push year for me because the moment I hit January 1st next year, I, all the 10 times workshop uh, mm-hmm. time, uh, immediately I get 44 days back, you know, 44. That's just 40. Yeah. And that's not counting the yeah. the prep, prep work at all. That's just the actual coaching. Right. So I get that back, and it's all in place. We have four coaches who are in the process of taking taking over, and so I get that back. And the thing I'd like to do is, and we can look ahead as early as possible in 2023, is for me to do the eight profit, the eight profit activators to do your right. workshop. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you my feeling. I'll approach it just from the standpoint. You know, I'll yes. just say. Uh, I mean, I'll apply it to myself, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and apply it to coach, but just what we, you know, you never know. I mean, you get together and, you know, and, you know, it's, I think it's a huge platform. Uh, I think that. I do too. Like I eight, see it in the right. Eight, and I think hand. that there's, mm-hmm. you know, I have this new tool, uh, new thing, which is called shortcuts, programs, and platform. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll see that. You'll see that when you come to Chicago, and it's really mm-hmm. gone far. It's really, it's actually shortcuts times programs equals platform. It's actually mm. a, it's actually a formula. Right. And and the thing is that entrepreneurs don't look at their world that way. They don't. The tech giants totally see their world as applications, programs, and platform. But entrepreneurs, yeah. entrepreneurs don't, and they therefore they don't take. They have lots and lots of shortcuts. I've never met an entrepreneur where I say, "Is there any shortcut that you've created to help your clients think that?" And sure enough, and then you ask them again. And by the time you're finished with the conversation, there's about five or six things which they have created, but they don't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really, I see that as, like, that's what I look at the Breakthrough Blueprint, that eight profit activator model as a, as an EOS, as a yep. similar type oh, of totally, thing. Totally. A contextual. Me too. Yeah. <clears throat> now, now, who are the who's mm-hmm. who allow you to dominate the world with this without you leaving your your sofa out on out in the white oh, exactly right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and i thought about that like i look at what you you know i think about because i often channel you in my mind thinking what would dan do or what would how, how would i observe what you do with yeah. this and i think that you're if you just observe, you're really, you're doing workshops or coming up with new advancements for the workshops. And that's really all you're doing. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm just a yeah. shortcut. I'm just a shortcutter. Yeah. And so there's ask, those things. Like ask, I, ask me about any other activity in my company that doesn't yeah. involve me shortcutting, and I don't have the least bit of interest in that other activity. Right. Uh, being involved with it. I have interest yeah, in yeah. it because it's all part of a bigger piece, but I have no interest yeah. in being a part of those activities. Yeah. Interesting. Huh? So yeah. it's an exciting uh, time. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, um, I really, I'm really eager to see the Joe Rogan, the Joe Rogan. I am eager uh, for you to do that too. Yeah. 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 I'll give you feedback on it because both of them are masters of this particular game. Yes. I'd love that. That's great. I can't wait for you to see it. Yeah. It's like Leonardo and Einstein having Could you imagine? Yeah. Coffee, I mean, this is, having, having coffee. Yeah. You know. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Well, have a great week in Chicago. And yep. I will talk to you next time. Same time. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Dad. Okay. Bye. Bye.